Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message from our guest minister. Thanks for tuning in today. Father, in the name of Jesus, break every stronghold that's in this place today. Some came here today with some stuff on them that they can't leave here with. Change it, Lord. Shift it. Break it. Do miracles in this place. Fix people's hearts that are here, God. Get in the stubborn areas, the things that, uh, in places that they don't want you to get in, Jesus. Get in there and fix it. Change it and mold it the way that you want it to be, Father. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. You know, you're here today on an assignment by God. It's not an accident that you decided to come to this church. For many of you, it's not an accident that you're sitting under Pastor and Mrs. Pastor Bang. Some of you had a choice whether you could come to church today or not. Some of you were actually instructed by God to be here today. You didn't want to come. You didn't want to get up. You didn't want to put on those clothes. Some of you didn't want to shower. Thank God you did. (laughs) But God Almighty nudged you, moved you, and said, you need to be in the house of God. You need to be in the anointing. You need to be in the worship. You know, God touches everyone at some point in time during the service, and it's not always the preaching. Some of you, you get in and that praise and the, to shake the world off of you. Some of you, it's the worship time where you can come to the altar and raise your hands and begin to tell God how wonderful it is. Some of you get your miracles and your breakthroughs by giving in the offering because you're so stingy that giving in that offering is a miracle for you. Now, Pastor, all of you that know my father, Pastor said it right, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, so I apologize ahead of time if I offend some of you. But I want you to know that with the last 25 years of ministry and the last 25 years of my life, I've been in over 300 church services a year. Now, I was homeschooled, so I can't do that math real quick in my head. But I do know one thing, homeschooled or not, that that's a lot of church services in the last 25 years. Therefore, I know an awful lot, both in the spiritual and in the natural, when it comes to church people. See, you can look around this room and the miracles and the signs and wonders that are in these seats today. If these walls could talk about all of the amazing things and the amazing uh, moments in life that happened right here in this church. So many people that had to endure such hardness. Some of you, it costs you to be here today, whether it be a financial investment, meaning you had to maybe take off at work, or some of you, it cost you your time today. Some of you maybe argued last night. Some of you maybe cried yourself to sleep. Some of you came here today, and you're on empty in your car, and you don't know how you're going to leave the parking lot 
I can't imagine what some of you, it has cost you in your, to walk out your relationship with Jesus, whether it be in your family or in your customs or, or in your, your life or in your work life. This church is amazing because of the stories that are in these seats. You can't make them up. You can't make up these stories. To the single parent that's here today that's working multiple jobs just trying to make ends meet to feed their kids to the person that's here today that maybe you have a negative report in your life and even though it might hurt and even though you might be a little afraid, it's okay, we're human, but I'm telling you that the same blood of Jesus Christ that has saved me and helped me and fixed me is the same blood of Jesus Christ that can get into your situation, your issue, your problem, your marriage, your kids, and can fix it all. Amen. I want you to know that you're in the right place today if you need a miracle, and it's not because Josh Barclay is here. It's because your pastors are so awesome that, guess what? They still allow Jesus to attend here. There are many churches we go to that the Holy Spirit isn't welcome, and Jesus himself is not welcome, but guess what? Not in this church. He's still allowed to come here. It's still allowed to be here. He still has an altar. We still sing about him. We still sing about the blood of Jesus. Oh, yeah, that's worth shouting about. That's worth, that's worth getting excited about. Now, see, I'm a watcher. I can't sit in the back row. I can't be a back row Christian, although that's where I want to be. But I sit in the back and I get distracted because I like to watch all of you. And I sat up here today and I looked around the room and some of you were fully engaged in worship. Some of you were gone. You could have just waved your hand in front of the, you and, and you wouldn't have known it because you were caught up in the moment of Jesus Christ, caught up in his presence. But you know, then I looked around and some of you were confused. Some of you were like, really? Andy again? You had to sing the song again? I hate this song. We sing it all the time. Come on, man, get over it. It was so last month. <laughs> Some of you were looking around like, really, all these crazy instruments? Why? Can't we just be boring church? If you came here today with some depression on you, maybe you're looking for direction in your life, Maybe you're looking for vision in your life. Maybe you're looking for a miracle. Maybe you're just looking for a change. Let me tell you, church, you came to the right church today. You came to the right church. There's so many of the, the people here that can help you. This couple sitting on the front row is, is so amazing, and I, I've known them for, gosh, 20 years and they're an amazing couple, and I'm not just saying that because I'm standing in their pulpit because I'm not a flatterer. I'm telling you that they are good people, and they can help you is my main reason for even saying anything is that they have the knowledge, and they have the understanding, and they have the Jesus Christ Almighty. I'm talking about some crazy people here today. Do you, is there any crazy, faith-filled, Jesus-loving people that are here today? Are there any crazy people that want God to do something big in their life this year? This is a new year. This is a new year for Jesus Christ Almighty. 
Open your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 18, you can catch up to me. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Some of you, your issue is, is that you are stuck on what you've done in the past. You're thinking about yesterday and you really should be thinking about tomorrow. Yeah, some of us are stuck in a place that we can't get out of. We're remembering the past things. Some of you are stuck on what pastor said last Sunday and you're upset about it because he said one thing that you didn't like. Now forget about the 99.9% of other things that he said that was good. Let's get hung up on the 1%. Come on now, that was good preaching right there. You know how many people leave the church because of the 1%? They forget about the miracles in their life. They forget about everything that the church did for them. They forget about all the help that they got. They forget about all the anointing. They forget about all of the Jesus. And they leave because of the 1%. They forget about the 99. Don't consider the things of old. You know, I have a nine-year-old little girl. That's my, my baby, my princess, my surprise. Yeah, I was done after two and... God said no, so I got a third, and she's the most amazing thing that has ever happened to my life, and she's nine years old. She's all princess. She is all girl, although she is a uh, basketballer as well, but uh, she is just all girl, and we watch, you know, movies together, and one movie that comes to mind that I think was made for the church and made for you today, and it's the worst movie ever created by Disney. But I think they got it right. The prophets over there at Disney got it right. The prophets at Disney had it right, though, when they said this great song. Are you ready? Let it go. Oh, you can act like you don't know this song. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go. Let it go. Turn away and slam the door. Oh, I don't care. See, some of you are actually frozen today. You're stuck. Oh, yeah, I didn't sing that for no reason at all. You're stuck in a moment that you can't get out of. You're stuck in a place where God can't bless you because you're still thinking about last week instead of thinking about tomorrow. If you're stuck in that spot, then that is the exact problem in your life. Some of you, your hearts are cold. Maybe because of an outbreak or a heartbreak or or whatever, but God is about to thaw you out. Don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, will I not do a new thing? That's my favorite part of that scripture. God said, hey, forget about the past, forget about the old. I'm about to do a new thing in your life. See, that's what God is telling you today. God is saying, hey, I don't care about what you went through yesterday because you're in the house of God, because you're putting me first. God said, I'm about to do a new thing in your life. 
Well, when? Yeah, I've seen some of the looks on your face. Well, when is God going to do a new thing when our debts are paid? When everything's perfect in our house? When my wife is listening to me? When my health challenges are over? Now, see, if you, if God's going to do something now, would you not have a now expectation? Would you not give God a now praise? Yeah, you'd give God a praise if your miracle happened right now. But why not praise him before the miracle happens? Why not get into that place where you're already excited that God's going to do something in your life, even though he hasn't done it yet? Now it shall spring forth. Out of the middle of nowhere, now it shall spring forth. God said, I'm going to do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is saying, I am going to put a river right up in the middle of everything you're going through. Um, some of you are so dry, God's about to make you wet. Yeah, some of you need to get the, the dusty, dry, sourpuss face. Come on, some of you are so dry. I'm just telling you the truth. I know church people. I can look around the room. I can probably pick a few of you out today and bring you up. And if I patted you real hard, dust would come, spiritual dust would come flying off of you. You're so dry and boring and, and God hasn't, God anointing hasn't been on your life in forever. And I'm not putting you down and I'm not, you know, slamming you in your face because only you know who you are. I'm challenging you, you today to get, let Jesus Christ Almighty reign in your life. God said, I'm about to do something crazy right up in the middle of a drought, in the middle of a dry place, in the middle of a place where you don't think God's going to do something. Guess what? God's about to do something big. God's about to do something big in this church, in your life, in your marriage, in your kids. Why? Because the Bible says, not because Josh Barclay said, not because Pastor and Mrs. Bang said, because God said, I will do a new thing. has to happen because God said it has to happen. Wouldn't it be great if the road to our destiny was easy? Wouldn't it be great if we never had to cry? Wouldn't it be great if we never had any turmoil in our life? Wouldn't it be great if we were driving down the road and no one cut us off? Wouldn't it, we, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to have the test before the money? Some of you will figure that out this afternoon. God's about it to shift us into a new era. God's already shifting America into a new place. Whether you like our current president or not, there hasn't been a good president since the day I've been alive. But you know what? We just keep praying and we keep moving and we keep asking God to come back to America. 
It's all we can do is ask God to come back to America. God's about to shift us into a new era. Psalm 16 says, In the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy. Some of you forgot that when you came here today, that you had to check your problems at the door. Some of you forgot that when you came here today, everything that you went through and everything that you battled and everything that you wondered about and everything that attacked your life and everything that battled around you and everything, the, all the fiery darts that were in you, you forgot that when you came in that door over there, you had to put them on the problem hook and come in and just worship Jesus. This is your safe place. This is your safe place. This is where you can come and God will move. God will do something in your life. In the presence of Jesus, there is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could get to the place in our life where no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're battling, we could just laugh at the devil. Wouldn't that be amazing? It'd be wonderful. It would be so confusing to the devil and so blessed of God. What are you talking about, Josh? I'm talking about what if the doctor comes in to your room and says, hey, you've got a month to live, and you go, ha, ha. Wouldn't that be great? Most of you can't do it, but wouldn't it be great? The devil would be confused. The doctor would look at you like you're crazy, but guess what? We are. We're crazy in love with Jesus and know that God, our God is bigger than anything that we've ever battled in our life. The devil would be confused if you gave God right there in that hospital room a faith praise. See, the problem with so many Christians is that we want to praise him, but after the miracle has happened. But God says, hey, you praise me before the miracle happens, and then I'll show up. Okay, let me prove it to you. Do you think David would have beat Goliath if he didn't shout out to God before? No. You think Daniel would have beat them lions if he didn't cry out to God before? No. Do you think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have made it out of that fiery furnace if he fir they first wouldn't have got on their hands and knees and cried out to God and praised him for their miracle? No, it's time for us as Christians to laugh at the devil in the face of adversity. You say, Josh, how do you know it works I've watched it happen so many times. I watched it happen as a young Marine couple. They had one baby, but they've been believing God for a second, and the doctor said, no, if you have this uh, a second baby, it's not going to be right. It's going to be deformed, and it's going to have problems, and they got pregnant anyways, and they had this baby, and every doctor visit, they said, you need to abort this baby because... If this baby lives, it's going to be deformed. It might even kill your wife having this baby. There's all kinds of complications. This young couple said, no, 
Thank you, doctor, for your report, but we're going to believe the report of the Lord. And they believed God anyways, and they laid hands on that, that belly baby in the womb, and they cried out to God for it, and they laughed at the devil and said, devil, you're not going to take my wife. You're not going to take my baby. And then all of a sudden, it came time to give birth. The doctor came out to that young Marine and said, listen, your wife's in labor, and she's about to give birth, but I can't save both of them. I can either save your wife or your baby, you choose. That Marine grabbed that doctor by his lapels, picked him straight up off the ground. He shook him a couple of times like a big old Marine can do. And he said, I'm anointing you right now in the name of Jesus Christ, you sinner. You get back in there. And you use the blood of Jesus Christ and you bring me my baby and my wife. You know, that doctor wet his pants. <laughs> A few minutes later, that doctor came out and said, Sir, here's your beautiful baby boy. And we saved your wife. He said, I already knew that. I already praised God for it. I already knew it before you went back in there that God was going to give me both. Say, Josh, that's a made-up story. No, it's not, because if it was made up, I wouldn't be standing here today, because that was me. And I might not be right, and I might not be normal, but I do have all my fingers and toes. See, I saw the devil laughed at in the face when this couple went in to the doctor, and the wife kept saying, listen, I'm, I'm not right. There's something wrong with my body, and they did tests, and they said, no, you're great. Everything's fine. No issues. They said, no, doctor, there's something wrong. So they did tests and everything came back right. And they went in a few weeks later and they did tests and everything came back good. And then they did tests and everything came back good. And then finally, the wife said, listen, I am telling you there is something wrong with me. I watched this happen. Finally, they found a rare cancer in this woman's body, and it kills most women instantly because, or within time, by the time they catch it, they normally can't fix it because it spreads so fast and it's so undetectable. And they found this in there, and, and they went in, and they did three or four surgeries throughout, you know, a, a mid-year's time, and Every surgery was hopeless. Every surgery, they said they wouldn't get it. Every surgery, they said, we're only doing this to clean things up, but it won't fix the problem. And this couple said, you know what? Thank you, doctor, for doing your job. See, most of the time we blame the doctor, but really all he's doing is his job. This couple got on their hands and knees before God and began to cry out. They tore their life apart. They decided to look and see if they missed a tide somewhere. Did they, did, uh, you know, was it music they were listening to, movies? What was it? What was it? Finally, after a year and four, several surgeries, being at the altar, not giving up on God, charging the altar, charging what God has, charging 
the things of God. Finally, almost a year later, that couple went in to the doctor and the doctor said, I don't know how. I don't know why. I can't explain it. But there is not a drop of cancer in your body. The devil was laughed at all through the process. And the reason I know is because that right there was my wife. Totally clean. Totally great. We beat that battle not because of anything, but because we did not give up. God said, forget about the things of yesterday and focus on the things of tomorrow. I watched the devil laughed at when this couple find out their 16-month boy had an allergic reaction to an antibiotic. That allergic reaction turned into a, a sickness, which then turned into a disease called Stephen Johnson's disease, which attacks the muscles and the bones of your body. This 16-month-old boy had a fever of 104 degrees for over 18 weeks. Service after service, the couple came in the back door and they carried their baby because he couldn't move. He was stiff. Could barely move his head and they brought him in service after service and they came all the way down. They didn't care what was going on, pastor. And they laid their baby at the altar and they grabbed hands and they began to worship God and praise God like nothing was ever wrong. 16, 18 weeks service after service after service. This couple cried out to God. Most people would give up after one or two, three weeks, four weeks. God, where are you? This couple constantly saying that exact thing. God, we know you're out there. See, they claim the same thing that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. They said, our God will save this child, but if he doesn't, let it be known that we serve a God that is more than enough. We serve a true and living God the devil will get no glory out of this. See, some of the problem with church people today is that you let the devil get glory out of your situation instead of God. It's not about the situation. It's not about what God does in the situation. It's about how much glory God gets out of the situation. 18 weeks, unmovable Laying this baby, this baby couldn't do anything, couldn't move. The doctor said, hey, prepare your house for a wheelchair. Nine out of ten kids end up in wheelchairs. They can't move. It attacks the muscles. In fact, almost every kid gets some kind of blindness as well. So basically the doctors are saying, hey, listen, couple, you're going to end up with a blind wheelchair-bound kid. Service after service. They brought that little baby in and laid him at the altar and cried out to God. Lifeless, helpless, unmovable. Until one day, until one day that baby came into mama all by himself and said, I'm hungry. 18 weeks is a long time, my friends. 18 weeks is a long time. In fact, that little boy is no longer, is not just not in a wheelchair. He's a star basketball player at 12 
years old dropping 10, 15, 20 points a game as a 12-year-old. Last week, I was at a game that he was at, and he had his first triple-double in his entire life at 12 years old. He's not just not blind. He's in advanced reading. And I might be a little proud of that little boy because that was my baby boy that I had to believe God for week after week. So you can look at us preachers and you can say, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't battle that much. They don't go through that much. They don't, they don't have to go through the things that we go through. But guess what? I've been in my darkest hour and I've been there more than once. Until you watch your, your, your baby boy hopeless and lifeless, wheelchair bound until you see your, your wife on a deathbed saying, going into surgery, not knowing if she's coming out or not. In fact, the likelihood of her not coming out was greater than the likelihood of her making it. Until you're the one that has to look her in the eyes and say, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to beat me to heaven? You know the place that we're striving to get to? The place that we're doing all of the sacrifice to make it? See, I saw the devil laugh dad in the face when my niece died on the side of my parents' pool. And when I mean died, I don't mean for 30 seconds or so. I mean for over 10 minutes, dead, lifeless, no pulse, CPR doing nothing. Completely dead. So dead and so long that the paramedics finally got there and they began to do CPR. They began to look at my brother-in-law and say, begin to shake their head as in, there's nothing we can do. And right when they did, my brother-in-law yelled out, no, I am a tither. I have rights. This baby is not going to die today. And at that exact moment... Come on, church, at that exact moment, that baby girl sat up, turned to their parents and said, hey, what's going on? Oh, yeah, I believe that God still is the God of miracles. God said, I'm able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. Scripture in the Bible, and I'll close with this on Paul and Silas. Many of you know it, and if you don't, look it up later today and read it. But Paul and Silas were thrown in prison. Their next day, their, their highlight of their next morning was death. They were in a dirty, rotten, dingy prison. Knowing what their fate was tomorrow, shackled not in those nice, pretty, shiny little handcuffs that we have today, shackled with dirty, nasty, rusty. In fact, back in those days, most people died in prison before they ever made it to their execution. These men destined to die. Some of you here today, you're... Life is destined to die tomorrow. Your marriage is destined to die tomorrow. Your kids are destined to die tomorrow. Your finances are destined to die tomorrow. But 
But, just like Paul and Silas, we all have our prison moments. Anyone ever felt like they were in bondage or trapped or in a situation where there was no way out? Anyone ever felt like God couldn't do anything more than he already is doing? Anyone ever felt like they were trapped in a situation that God cannot get them out? See, I know all about that because I've been there. I know all about prison moments because I've been there. I know all about darkest hours because I've been there. And I've been there more than once. And let me tell you, it's not a pretty place. But it's not what you're going through that matters, but what you do when you're in the moment. See, I believe that Paul and Silas did the most amazing things, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think they knelt down. I think they begin to get excited about God, and they begin to tell each other about the wonderful things that God's done. I think they, the joy begin to get inside their heart. I think they begin to say, hey, remember when God helped us over there? And remember when God helped us over there? And don't you remember God did this? And man, did you see the look on that guy's face when, we, when his leg grew out because he didn't have one? And do you remember what happened over there? Do you remember that message that you preached and you helped so many people? I think they got excited about God and they said, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but Jesus' blood, Jesus' blood wiped it all away. See, when you're in your prison moment, that's when you get on your hands and knees and you begin to praise God. You begin to have a now expectation. Because Jesus, you paid it all. And all to you I owe. Sin, you might have left some nasty stains in my life and a nasty path along where I've walked. But Jesus, Jesus, your blood washed it all away. White as snow. See, sometimes you have to say, oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this dirty, rotten life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. See, when you're in your prison moment, that's when God will show up because you are worshiping him, not questioning him, not wondering, is he going to show up? But literally pushing in, saying, God, I need this. God, you are so awesome. You are so wonderful. See, most of the time when we're in a prison moment, we begin to ask God for a change. We begin to ask God to do something. See, I think that's the difference, Andy, when with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Paul and Silas is they didn't ask God for help. And that's the difference for us today is that instead of asking God for help, when you rush this altar during worship, that's the time that you begin to say, oh God, you're so awesome. You're so magnificent. 
You're so wonderful. You got to get to the point where you can praise him before the miracle. When you can jump and shout and praise him when you don't want to. Do you think that my wife and I, pastor, we were in the middle. We pastored those two churches in Ohio and Michigan. I was in one of those churches every single Sunday. Every single Sunday for two and a half years. One Sunday or the other, one Sunday or the other. I didn't want to pastor. I didn't want to preach. This wasn't my, my goal. My mission was to help the man of God. And the man of God said, this is what you're going to do. We were in the middle, pastor, of that time with my boy. We were in the middle of preaching on faith and healing. And the devil decided to do this. You want to talk about preaching when you need faith? When you need a healing? See, it's easy to get up and say, God's so great when everything's moving in your life. It's easy to preach wonderful when God says, hey, everything's great. Try getting up and preaching how wonderful he is and how great he is and that he's the God of the, of the healing when you got a baby that's dying on the altar. Say, Josh, what did you do? I believed in truth, not facts. You go, uh, facts and truth is the same. Not in my book. Facts and truth are not the same. They're not the same because the fact was my wife was supposed to die. The fact was my baby was supposed to be in a wheelchair. The fact was my mom was supposed to be dead from cancer. The fact is that my niece was supposed to be dead on the side of a pool. But the truth is by his stripes, they were healed and taken care of. See, you got to get to the point where you can shout and praise him and you don't want to and you're, you're weak and you're tired and you're bored and you just want this service to be over and you just wish pastor would preach short today and you wish that the band would go a little bit shorter today because, you know, you got things to do at home. And instead of saying, oh, God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Jesus. You're awesome in this place. Instead of shouting and jumping and saying, hey, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Yeah, some white boy jumping right there. I wished I was black, but black failed me. I came out white as a ghost. In and out. I might be white on the out. I'm a reversed Oreo cookie. I might be white on the outside, but I am black on the inside. God has not forgotten how to do miracles. God has not forgot. If you're in this place today and you need God to do a miracle in your life, maybe you got a bad report, maybe your marriage is under siege, maybe your kids are in trouble, maybe your finances are a wreck and you need a miracle, maybe that job that you believe God for is on the edge. If that's you, I want you to lift your hands to heaven right now and I want to pray for you. It's not a Josh thing, it's a Jesus thing. If he worked for me, it will work for you. If it helped my family, if it helped my mom, if it helped my wife, if it helped my baby. So many stories. I don't know stories, but I'll guarantee there are stories in this room right now where God showed up when you didn't think God was going to show up. So if that's you right now, in fact, just stand to your feet. Come on, don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. Stand to your feet and lift your hands to heaven. Again, this isn't a Josh thing. This is a God thing. 
God knows how to do miracles just when you think he has given up on you, just when you think that he can't do anything else, just when you think that all hope is lost, just when you think that God can't help you, just when you think that that he's not going to show up, just when you think that all hell has broken loose in your life, that is the moment where you need to get on your hands and feet before God and you need to glorify him. You need to tell him how awesome he is. You need to tell him how magnificent he is. God can still do miracles. Jesus, I ask you right now in this place, so many people that are hurting God, so many people that need a miracle in this place. Jesus, you know what they're dealing with. You know what they're going through. Father, I ask you right now that bodies be healed, marriages be restored, kids are coming home, finances are, are being brought in. God, you didn't want us to be without money. You wanted us to be blessed. Whatever it is, God, whatever miracle it is needed, we cry out to you this morning and we say you are Alpha and Omega. You are the beginning and the end. Jesus, you are the healer. Jesus, you are the miracle worker. God has not forgot how to do manna. He can bring it down to you. He hasn't forgot how to heal the blind, how to raise the dead. God can still do it. Say, God can still do it. God can still do it. God can still do it. Come on, God can do it in your life. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.